I tend to take reading way too seriously. I know that sounds kind of silly for someone who reviews books and runs a podcast and basically is just always checking books off her to-read list. It's very regimented for me. But what I mean by taking books too seriously and taking reading too seriously is I rarely find the time to indulge in lighter reading. Sure, I have the occasional cozy mystery here and there, but I tend to be kind of prejudiced towards other genres, namely romance. I don't read a lot of romance. It's not something I tend to pick up. I have a hard time relating to a lot of it. And I just kind of have this prejudice in my head that this isn't quote-unquote real literature. But there's a tremendous amount of craft to writing romance, whether for young people or adults alike. And sometimes it takes a conversation with a romance writer to bring all of that into full focus. So with that being said, I hope you enjoy me for my conversation with Christina Forrest, author of Zyla and Kai, as we talk about all things romance, as well as This Lullaby by Sarah Dessen. Welcome to your favorite book. Right, so Christina, thanks for joining me today. Um, I guess we can jump right into it. Can you tell us a little bit about yourself as a writer and about your work? Yes. Well, first, thank you for having me. Um, I'm Christina Fires, and I write romances for both teens and adults. Um, my previous two novels were "I Want to Be Where You Are" and "Now That I Found You." And my most recent book, which just published last Tuesday, is called "Silent Kai." That is a YA romance about a boy and a girl who meet one summer, then fall in love, and then break up, and then run away together while on their senior trip. Or at least that's what everyone thinks. It's a little bit of a mystery, um, and it's all about the highs and lows of first love. That's a great way of putting it. Definitely the the highs and lows of first love is a a great way of phrasing it. And Mm -hmm. as I was telling you before we uh, signed on, your book really just felt like a, like a warm hug, like all the, the best aspects of first love with some of the complications in there too. I just found the premise so refreshingly simple. You know, it's just two people that fall in love and all the events that that love can influence. And I really enjoyed that about it. And um, the first thing that comes to mind when, you know, thinking about your book, I want to start with the structure of it. So Mm -hmm. the way you set up your book, you flash forward between the present and the past, uh, and you also flash between perspectives, not just between Zyla and Kai themselves, but we also get in the heads of various family members and friends. And so I'm just curious, what made you want to frame the story this way? Yeah, so I was very inspired by the movie Moonrise Kingdom. Mm. Have you ever seen that? I haven't. Okay, it's it's cute. It's a Wes Anderson film, and it's about the. I had already had I had an idea to write a YA about two teens who fall in love, and they're so deeply in love that they come up with this maybe you know ill conceived idea to run away together. So I had Mm. that idea, and then um, I happened to watch Moonrise Kingdom, which is similar in premise, but the the kids are younger. They're like twelve or eleven. And they, you know, are two misfit kids who sort of find each other and then get the idea that they just need to run away together to the woods <laughs> because society just doesn't understand them. And so they just need to get away. Um, and so the movie starts with uh, the boy is a Cub Scout. And the movie starts with his Cub Scout leader finding a note in his tent that says that he's run away. 
And then it goes mm. to the girl's house where her parents have discovered that she's run away too. And everyone's looking for them. And then it flashes, does a flashback to how the two of them met. And I thought that was so unique. And I was like, I kind of want to do the same thing with my story a little bit. Um, mm. And I also, I guess the, the overall theme of the book really is that a relationship is really on, only between the people who are in it. But, you know, we always have ideas about what goes on inside of a relationship, but all relationships are really mysteries. You never really know what's actually happening if you're not a part of the relationship. And so I thought it was important to, I thought it was important to get the perspectives of those who are close to Zyla and Kai. And I also think it's kind of funny that like, you know, these are these people who are their family and friends who feel like they know the two of them, but then this thing happens like they disappear and everyone's kind of like huh like maybe we don't actually know them and, and their relationship as well as we thought that we did and so mm. I thought that that was like that's like an interesting idea to explore um and I really wanted the reader to sort of be wondering as well like, because you in the past chapters you see how the two of them meet and fall in love and they seem really happy and so then it's like well what happened and so I guess that's kind of what I want the reader to constantly be asking, like, what happened? <laughs> why would they do this thing if they seem so happy? Or why do they break up if they seem so happy? Um, yeah. yeah, I think I like to start every book. I, I always want there to be like a question that the reader has to keep reading in order to figure out what the answer to that question is. Mm, that's a great way of putting it. Yeah, if you start with that guiding question, everything just kind of follows. And the question is, you know, what actually happened between these two? And it takes us a while to kind of find that out. And you need all of that context that we're given in layers to really not only find out what happens, because if you just found out, that wouldn't be interesting, but you have to really get invested in all of these people mm -hmm. and in these characters. And I love that you took inspiration from a movie. I love it when writers just <laughs> confess their influences because we all have them, you know, all our creativity mm -hmm. is inspired by others. Like there's no, you know, one original structure or idea like that doesn't exist. It's just what mm -hmm. we do with these ideas and how we transform them. So I really love that you call back to your influences there. And then um, I let's talk about Zyla and Kai themselves, the characters. So mm -hmm. I, I loved them. I loved both of them. I, oh, I'm glad. <laughs> They're they're so likable and also yeah. just their attributes that you give them. On the surface, they're so perfect. I mean, you have Kai, who is this um, Morehouse um, applicant. He's aspiring to go to Morehouse. He's a, a football star. He's intelligent, well-read, you know, kind to family, all of that. And then you have Zyla, who's so incredibly driven with her fashion dreams and a great friend and sister and all of that. There's all these accomplishments with them. Um, but they're also flawed. They're deeply flawed. Mm -hmm. And I love that they have these flaws. There were times in the book where I was genuinely annoyed at one or both of them. And that's just <laughs> part of, you know, what it is to read teenagers, I feel. I feel like you have to embrace mm -hmm. the flaws when you write a teenager, especially. And so I'm just curious to know, you know, when you kind of start the process of creating a character, do the flaws come as naturally to you as the other attributes, like the football playing or the Morehouse applying or fashion school? Do these all just kind of come to you the same way? Mm -hmm. So I start with the flaws first. Mm. Um, and I think that people would be uh, maybe a little bit 
surprised to because like I write romances there I mean you've read that entire like my first two books are even more like uh, a rom-com than this book mm-hmm. I feel like Silent Kai is pretty much just like a ro- like a uh, cat- like a romance I wouldn't necessarily call it a rom-com even though there are like comedic moments in it um, mm-hmm. but my books feel quite sad to me when I'm writing them <laughs> it's like they feel like really sad books because um, I always start each each character has something that's making them sad right and like my job Mm -hmm. is to give them the happy ending at the end but because I'm thinking about what their flaws or whatever it is that's upsetting them it ends up feeling like a pretty sad book while I'm working on it and so usually like I'll have people read it or like my editor or what have you and the word that people always say to me is like light like how you just said that like it feels like a warm hug like usually when I finish a book, I lack a lot of perspective and I'm always like, this is the saddest thing ever. <laughs> but um, I, I I start with the flaws. I think like, what is, what is this person's, I guess, like the a, a word that I saw like in a, like a writing, uh, a writing manual or not a manual. I can't think of what the right word for it, but like a wound, right? Like what is the character's wound? What is, what is uh, hurting them and why is it hurting them and uh, what is their and how does that tie to whatever their internal goal is it's usually something emotional like this thing or this connection that they don't have that they wish they had and how does that tie to the external goal and that's the external goal is usually where the more house football fashion Mm -hmm. those things come in so like with Kai I started with his well, I guess it started with Zyla first mm-hmm. because her internal goal or like her wound is that her parents have not given her good examples of relationships, right? Like her biggest yeah. thing is like she never wants to be like her mom who has been a serial dater. She has had her heart broken millions of times and like her dad has been like unfaithful to everyone he's ever been with and she's seen, Zyla has seen how sad her mom has been and so she's just like and her great aunt who you know lives mm-hmm. with them and she's just kind of like love sucks <laughs> I never want to do this and so her internal goal is like to never fall in love like to never open herself up in that way where she can get hurt and her external goal is to become this big fashion star and get away because that goal is going to get her like physically away from her family right. and Kai started with uh, I knew well I knew he needed to be the opposite of Violet I like to write opposites attract mostly mm-hmm. and so he, while she was like a love cynic he was a hopeless romantic and the reason that he has this big hole in his life is because his parents died and so mm-hmm. he feels like he's missing this connection and he knew that his parents had this you know really great love story and that's what he wants so deeply because he feels like then his life will be complete Mm -hmm. and that ties into like his external goal of wanting to go to Morehouse just like his dad because Kai's whole thing is like this goal of perfection like he had this terrible tragedy happen to him when he was younger and then he got off track because he had behavioral issues and now he's just trying to be this perfect kid to make up for all the bad things that have happened to him Absolutely. Um, yeah. And so I definitely start with <laughs> the flaws and then all of the other uh, attributes to the characters sort of come after because they need to complement whatever the flaws are. 
Absolutely. Yeah. I, I love it when these conversations become craft talk because that just <laughs> feels so tangible and real. And, and you're right. You know, if you start with the flaws first, that internal conflict, the rest kind of fills itself in, you know, it's what drives these characters apart together, what have you. And you definitely see these, these goals so present in Xylan Kai, the internal and the external and I love that you touch on, you know, Kai's need for perfectionism and all of that and his fear of abandonment and those other fears that he has, because mm-hmm. I think it ties in nicely to the other thing I really liked about this book. And that was every single scene between Kai and his therapist. I, yeah. I, loved, <laughs> I loved seeing that Dr. Rubin was great. I just, I loved how their interactions, they didn't feel overly sentimental. They just felt on Kai's level. They just felt like he was addressing the things Kai wanted to talk about and helping him, you know, be kinder to himself. And I just feel like there's not enough books for young people that feature these positive therapy experiences. Yeah. And you know what, that is, I think what I've been hearing the most, uh, obviously besides like people like, oh, we really like the romance is like, they really like um, that, uh, the relationship between Kai and his therapist and those scenes. And um I will say that this book was not very hard to write. It was actually like the easiest book that I've written so mm-hmm. far, but the therapy scenes weren't necessarily tricky, but I couldn't write those as fast because mm-hmm. I really wanted the conversations between Kai and Dr. Rubin to come across as like realistic because <laughs> you know yeah. I hate when or I won't say I hate but like I dislike when you know you're reading or you see on TV these scenes these therapy scenes and you know I had just started therapy myself around the same time that I started writing this book so a lot of the conversations between Kai and his therapist were sort of like based on conversations that I'd had with my therapist and I really had to think hard like if Kai's saying this what would his therapist say or what would my therapist say to me if I said this to her and so I it was it they took a little bit longer to like get down on the page um but I'm I was really nervous also about the reception (laughs) I didn't know what people would think if they felt like it was coming across as inauthentic so I'm just really glad that uh it feels realistic to people because um I was nervous to write a book about somebody who has struggles with anxiety to the Mm -hmm. extent that Kai does because he's young you know but I felt like you know I definitely struggle with anxiety at that age and Mm -hmm. you know continue to through adulthood and I just feel like I just wanted to create you know I just wanted to create a space for readers of any age if they read this book to you know it's it's it happens and a lot of people (laughs) struggle with anxiety um, so yeah, I'm, I'm glad that, uh, those things felt authentic to you. Yeah. I, I just, everything about those therapy scenes, just, they added so much dimension, not only to Kai, but to the book overall, because you're really digging deep into those deeper inner conflicts and just the whole setup of Kai, you know, an adolescent boy speaking to a male therapist, something that, you know, a lot of boys don't have access to confess their mm-hmm. feelings in a similar way, but still something that's very much stigmatized and having the two of them interact in that way just felt incredibly meaningful and definitely probably significant to readers. I I just really love those scenes. There's so many reasons to come to this book. I I just found it just a joyful read. And the 
part of the warm hug, like the reason it felt that way is because, you know, the hugs feel the warmest when you've been sad for a moment. And like, yeah, there, yeah. there are moments where you, you fear for these characters and, and you're sad or frustrated, but the hug is there. And that's why we come to romances. And that's why they're so necessary in all of our reading. I know I don't read enough of them. All my books tend to be so sad and cynical, but it's nice <laughs> to open your heart to something lighter. Yeah, definitely. I always say that the best romances or even, you know, best romantic comedies have some sort of element of sadness because mm -hmm. then that happily ever after feels so hard won and like more appreciated. <laughs> absolutely. Absolutely. And, you know, sort of along these lines, you know, if we're going to transition over to the book that you picked for this episode. So mm -hmm. you chose This Lullaby by Sarah Dessen and I was excited to pick up a Sarah Dessen book for the show. No one suggested one before. And mm -hmm. this is actually the first Sarah Dessen book I've ever read. Oh. Um, which I was really surprised by because like growing up, I feel like her books were everywhere. Like they were yeah. in school libraries and the teen <laughs> shelves and everything. I was a bit young when this book came out like on shelves, but mm -hmm. I've definitely seen her work absolutely everywhere. Um, but this was my first time actually reading one of her books. And so I didn't know what to expect. Um, and then for those of you listening who haven't read this book, here's a brief summary. So uh, Remy is awaiting her freshman year at Stanford because it means getting away from her mother and her many failed marriages, as well as the trappings of high school life. Getting in the way of her plans is Dexter, a musician who believes from the beginning that he and Remy are destined to be soulmates. There's a lot more to this book than that, but that's kind of the jumping off point here. Um, but before we dig, dig into my thoughts, uh, Christina, I'd love to hear from you. You know, when did you read this book and what were your impressions? Yeah, so I'm looking at the copyright page because I'm trying to figure out what year this book came out because I definitely got it. Um, I think it's 2002. Oh, 2002. Okay, so yeah, I read this book maybe in 2008. Mm-hmm maybe or maybe 2009 I was it was the summer before my junior year of high school okay. so it was definitely 2008 and um I was <laughs> this was the first Sarah book I ever read and I feel like it took it put me on the trajectory that my life has taken that probably sounds very dramatic but like I love uh, that <laughs> That summer, um, so I'm from New Jersey, and um, there's a law in New Jersey that you have to be, you get 17 to work. Um, you can be 16 and get uh, parent parental permission. Um, so like, but uh, a lot of places, they really wanted you to wait until you were 17. And mm -hmm. so uh, that summer, all, I'm, I'm like, uh, most of my friends' birthdays are in the spring and summer, but my birthday is all the way in December. And so they all had summer jobs, and I didn't. <laughs> And so I was like <laughs> bored out of my mind. And so um, I actually was a reader, but I wasn't, you know, in high school, I sort of kind of fell off of reading a little bit, but mm -hmm. I decided to re-find uh, my love for reading because I had nothing else to do. And um, I went on Goodreads. <laughs> Goodreads was around back then. And um, I looked up like why romances because I always like to read romance. And so, um, of course, Sarah Dessen popped up because she's Sarah Dessen. And I looked at the descriptions of all of the books and um, the ones that stuck out to me as ones that I probably like the best were um, This Lullaby and The Truth About Forever. Mm -hmm. And so 
my mom took me to Barnes and Noble and I got the paperback copy of both of those books. And then she dropped me off at my grandmom's house. And I remember sitting at my grandmom's kitchen table and being like, okay, well, I guess, you know, I'll give this a try. And I started reading the first chapter and I feel like I finished it the next day. Like, oh I was gosh. just like, oh my gosh. And then I read, and then I went back and read all of her backlist and was like her biggest fan. I used to follow her blog, which she used to do um, a new blog uh, post every Friday. And I remember like looking it up at the computer room at school when I should have been <laughs> doing work and stuff. And so I was just like the biggest Daredevil fan. And I knew then that like, I, I always had liked to write, but I realized you know, reading her books and seeing how she made a career out of it, that I could do that too. Um, so it's really because I was reading Sarah Dessen that I was like, oh yeah, like I really want to be a writer too. I actually ended up going to college for writing. I was a writing major. Um, and so that's what got me into reading. And, you know, of course I read, she's had she has so many other novels, but this lullaby is my favorite because I mean, I, I don't know. I don't know if it's because it was the first one for me, but like, I just think this novel is so great. Like, I love Remy. She's such a hard ass. And yes. she's so unlike other fair Destiny characters. Some of her other characters mm. are like more observant and like, not necessarily passive, but they aren't like the, the, they're like dynamic best friend. You know how like you'll have like mm -hmm. a chill main character and then the best yes. friend is like zany. Like yep. Remy is sort of like, if the dynamic best friend got her own book because yes. you know she's like doesn't take any shit from anybody <laughs> and I just thought she was so cool and then Dexter was so funny and sweet and like the band I just thought it was just like I just love this book so much <laughs> still all these years later um and so when you know, when the prompts came up, like, oh, which book would you talk about? I'm like, oh, it definitely has to be this one. <laughs> I, I love that. I love it when authors just have a whole fangirl moment on the show. <laughs> I mean, that's my favorite. That's why I started this whole show, because my favorite books make me geek out the same way you're doing. And it's just, it's such a special experience when you're like a high school kid over the summer and you pick up a book and you spend all day reading. And it's like, yeah, that's just such a unique, special experience. And I, I cherish those moments. And I can definitely see like all the things you love about this book. I mean, I was talking to uh, Jasmine Cordillo last week about her book, uh, TJ Poor. Um, oh, yeah, yeah. Something to Prove. And one of the things I told Jasmine that I loved most about her book is that her main character was just this stone cold bitch. And I loved it. <laughs> and I saw that in Remy and I was like, I love this hard ass character who mm -hmm. knows what she wants or thinks she knows what she wants. She's, you know, outspoken. She's got her quirk. She's solid and cynical. And she was just so interesting to read. And I love that the book was all in her perspective. And I, I don't know. I came in through this book and there was a lot that I liked about it. I love the whole setup of the band and these gross mm -hmm. boys trying make it in the world and they were just fun to read about um but I think the best way to frame my thoughts on this was um I read this book at the same time that I read yours I was reading them kind of together and I mm -hmm. could see kind of the the influences almost a little bit there I mean you have Remy who's burned out by her parents you know fraught love life her mother's fraught love life and mm -hmm. therefore she can't really believe in love and I thought about Zyla and then Dexter you know he's this hopeless romantic character he falls fast <laughs> like Kai and it's like I I was like I like this I like this trope I like this uh 
hopeless romantic, you know, cynic kind of dynamic that we got going here. But I feel like I feel like your book did it better. (laughs) (laughs) And I think it's because your book, you know, takes a lot of time to explore all of the side characters and all of the family. And like, it's a longer book. And then you get to this lullaby. And it feels like there were so many opportunities to learn more about the other characters. And then you just don't like there are these dynamics between Rebby's friends that just kind of goes nowhere. And then Remy's conflict with her brother's girlfriend just kind of stops. And it's just like, I either wanted Sarah Destin to pair it back or to give us more about these characters. Because mm-hmm. I, I kept wondering, did I miss something? Like what happened here? Like we never got to this. Is there a sequel? Like, so that kind of wondering was there. Um, but then, you know, that's a pretty mild critique across the board, but I, I think mm-hmm. Remy just kind of, you know, really elevated the book for me. I feel weird about Dexter though. Dexter, <laughs> Really? Oh man. I, I think this is probably also like me being a reader now in 2022 versus maybe if I read this when I was younger, because mm-hmm. this is so of its time in like, how Dexter approaches Remy. Dexter is hella pushy, like a lot. And I, you know, you compare that against like your book, which has such a beautiful understanding of consent and autonomy and all of that. And here you have Dexter literally following Remy around everywhere, and, like, <laughs> yeah. insisting that he's her soulmate. It just won't leave her alone. And then eventually like, she's like, all right, fine, I'll date you. And I was like, wait, what happened here? Like, uh, I think once we get past that initial moment I, and they start actually they're together, I like Dexter a lot more. But at first I was like, ew, Remy, no, like you could do better than this. Like, Yeah, <laughs> I mean, yeah, I definitely think, you know, a lot of the books from the early 2000s that you read, I mean, they are just products of their time the same way like when you read mm-hmm. a romance novel from the 80s, you're like, yeah, this yeah. is written in the 80s. <laughs> um, but I think that I... I never looked at it that way. And I think I just thought that Dexter, because I guess because you know, like they're eventually going to get together. And yeah. so you're just like kind of waiting to see how that's going to happen. And I do not condone, um, I don't think that he was harassing her, but I right. understand what you're saying, where it's like she was very clearly like, I'm not interested. And he was like, he continued to pursue her. Um, yeah. I think that I don't condone that kind of behavior. (laughs) Um, But I think that there was something funny about, there's that one line where she's, Remy is walking through that place. What is it? Like the bar Bendo or like the place that they hang out, like the Mm -hmm. kind of like teen clubish place. And um, Dexter is like talking to her and then one of her friends walks up and her friend looks at Dexter like, who is that? And Remy's like, don't worry, like he'll go away soon. And Dexter says, oh, you little face, you know? And I just, I remember thinking that line was so funny. And I think that there is something humorous about how he's like, this girl is clearly out of my league, but I don't want her to give up on me. You know, I think yeah. that there's something funny about that. Um, I think that Sarah Destin was a lot subtler about Dexter than I've seen in other books mm-hmm. where it's like, okay, like, relax. Yeah, <laughs> um, yeah for sure. You, you, never get the, you never get the impression that 
that Remy is in any danger because yeah. Dexter is so lighthearted about it. You you just kind of see him as kind of annoying. He's not leaving her alone, but you never get the impression that she needs to get away from him. Mm-hmm. And I think that's definitely a balance. Like you have to be on the right side of that line in order for this to, you know, come off the way that Sarah Dessen intended. And I think it did, even though it's like a little pushier for my liking, I think it's not, you know, she didn't, Remy didn't feel like she was in danger and mm-hmm. reading this totally. I agree. Yeah. And I don't know. I I, I definitely liked Dexter as the book went on. I, I liked him, you know, kind of learning from her. I, there, there's the scene where like she's teaching him how to do laundry and I'm like, oh, oh yeah. I love it. <laughs> I want to hate this, but I don't. They're just really cute when they're when he's trying to learn to do laundry. At least he wants to learn, right? Yeah. Like she's not doing it for him. There's like that, Yeah, there's the one scene where she goes shopping for school supplies with her mm-hmm. Lissa, I think is the one friend that she goes yeah. with and she sees these forks on sale and she like you know, absent-mindedly gets them. And then when she realizes that they're still in her car, she's like horrified that she's like absentmindedly like bought him forks and he sees them and she tries to like cover it up and he's like you bought us silverware this means that you love me and she's just like no (laughs) but she very clearly cares about him because she's someone who doesn't like you know do things like that for boys Mm -hmm. but like she you know she thinks to do it for them and then when she like watches his dog I think that what I enjoy so much about their dynamic is that she just finds herself doing these things that she normally would not do because she cares about him and he's so different from any other kind of guy that she's dated before. And, you know, she ends up doing things for him and experiencing these different things with him that she otherwise wouldn't have done. And it's like kind of crept up on her a little bit. And I think that's what like freaks her out. Um, so it's so yeah. interesting to watch her like go through those emotions and for him to just be so delighted that like you like me even though you don't want to <laughs> um, or yeah. you don't, you like me more than you wish you did. Um, yeah, I could I could totally see this book as like a teen movie, honestly, like I was like playing it out in my head. Like there's the the scenes where all the girls are in the car and they throw cokes at people that have yeah. like wronged them. And I was like, that's such a catty mean girl thing. But like, I want to see that on TV. Like, I just want to see that scene. Like that just came alive to me. I liked the friends a lot. I wanted more of the friends. I wanted more of Remy and her mom. I liked the moments between Remy and her mom because that mm-hmm. was a really like solid complicated relationship there because honestly Remy's mom is like was straight up neglectful when she was young and Remy kind of had to raise herself and it was clear that like Barbara lived for her art and probably didn't have room in her life for children which was nice to see that kind of motherhood and literature but I I just love their complicated dynamic that they have I I wanted more of that too yeah I think that um you know, and I think that this is just a thing about YA that has persisted over the years is that like the idea of the word count, right? And like, because mm-hmm. I, I, you know, I think so many authors would say like, I wish I could have explored that more or, you know, but yeah. like, I, and I think that something about Violent Kai, because it is a longer book um, and I right. was self-conscious about that, but then I wanted the, you know, because of what the story is, I wanted to make sure that the important side characters 
got a perspective so because yeah. it's important for the reader to see the stories from their eyes as well and I think that I'm gl- I'm just glad that my editor <laughs> like saw my vision and didn't try to like make me do something different just because of like right. other outside factors or what have you um because I think that that is something that like holds back a lot of uh, maybe more progress in YA is that like you know mm-hmm. Sometimes we can't always explore the things in stories that maybe we would want to. Um, yeah, yeah, that's a good point. It is a bit of a limited kind of field that you're often playing with. I'm sure, especially back then too. I mean, mm-hmm. you have to keep things pretty small, you know, paperback sized. And I was surprised at first by the length of Zyla and Kai when I first got my copy because I was thinking, you know, why books don't typically go this long unless they're fantasy novels. And I'm pretty sure this isn't a fantasy. And then I read it <laughs> and I'm like, no. This this book needed to be the length that it was to do the things that you were trying to do. And I guess asking a book to be longer the way I was asking for with this lullaby, I mean, that means I was invested in aspects yeah. of the story. I wanted more rather than less. And I think that's a good thing. Yeah, I agree. I mean, I like a nice long book. But like you're saying, especially if you're invested in the story and you love the characters, you just kind of want to like keep going. I think a book that I think about most recently that I felt that way was um The Vanishing Half by Britt Bennett when I read that because yeah. that's like a little bit longer too but it, like it ha- it explores all these different characters because it gives you this like a, f- a well-rounded uh depiction of this family and when that ended I was like oh like I'm sad <laughs> because like, you know even though this, it, was, it was like sort of like an epic saga a little bit it's kind of like oh it's mm-hmm. over now you know um, yeah I like that book a lot too. That's a great mention here with the different perspectives that you get and the time skips Mm -hmm. and all of that. It was a pretty, you know, meaty, well-balanced kind of story, which I really liked. Yeah. And, uh, sort of going along the lines of other books so we can transition over to this. I was at a loss trying to find other books to recommend other than probably yours. I mean, (laughs) maybe this was speaks to me not reading a lot of Sarah Dessen or a lot of romance in general, but I was just like, you know, if you like that sort of cynic, hopeless romantic dynamic, Mm. but you want it updated for more of a modern time with obviously a much more diverse cast, I mean, Sila and Kai is a great place to go, but I'm curious to know from you, Christina, are there books that you would recommend for people that have read this lullaby? Oh, yeah. Um, With So specifically with the cynic uh, and hopeless romantic dynamic or like just, just in general anything that any of the vibes that get you yeah I mean I definitely think that if readers want the Sarah Dessen vibes but like modern like well she's still Sarah Dessen is still publishing but like if you want the vibes right. of this lullaby um and you want you know it to be a, more diverse or you know to speak to you know the 2020s or what have you um, I think that readers should definitely check out Nina Moreno, who wrote mm. uh, Don't Date Rosa Santos and Our Way Back mm. to Always. I think in the same way that for me, summer was marked by the begin like a by Sarah Dustin novel coming out in June. <laughs> um, Nina's books are sort of the same way. They feel very quintessential to summer. And um, Nina is Cuban-American. And I think she's also Colombian American, but um, she writes about Latinx characters and their different love mm-hmm. stories. Um, and I'm trying to think. Uh, I also think that Maureen Gu 
is really great. Mm-hmm. She's so funny. Her books are so funny. She writes about um, Korean American characters and uh, writes romantic comedies. And I think that Maureen is somebody who really understands the beats of a rom-com and like legitimately mm-hmm. good timing of comedy. Um, Cause that's, I think comedy is hard to write. You know, yeah. like it, it might be hard. It's, it may be easier to see in a movie or like to watch stand up or something, but I think it's hard to pull off when you're writing it. Um, and I think that Maureen is really good at that. Um, my favorite book by her is her second novel and it's called, I believe in a thing called love. Um, mm. So I think that all of her books are great, but that one, that one by her is my favorite. Um, so yeah, I think that those are uh, two authors that, you know, if you love Sarah Dustin, um, you'd really, you'd really like them too. Yeah, I'm assuming a lot of people listening here have probably read Sarah Dessen or maybe have read <laughs> Lullaby because I checked it out on Goodreads and it has like 180,000 like ratings. And yeah. I'm like, oh my gosh, this is a popular book. Like I somehow just totally missed the boat. <laughs> and and it's, it's always good to sort of tap into what people like because this definitely had a bit more weight to it and a bit more intrigue than some other, you know, fluffy YA romance that I've read over the years. And there was a lot that I liked here. I think Remy really just sold me as a main character. I'm glad the mm. whole book was in her perspective because I loved reading through her voice. I loved getting to know her, the things that she's dealing with. And honestly, I feel like this book has so much potential for a sequel that I really want one. Like I don't know. I don't know if Sarah Dessen writes sequels. I actually Googled it to see if there was one. Doesn't look like there is. If you're going to write one, Sarah Dessen, I will read it. I will read it too. I th- I think, I'm pretty sure it's going to be a Netflix movie though. Like Netflix uh, oh. op- signed her, three of her books up. The, the movie for one of her other books, um, Along for the Ride, came out last month, I think. And the other mm-hmm. two books that they have signed up are This Lullaby and... Oh, gosh. And I think the other one is Once and For All, which I actually okay. think that if you like this lullaby, you will like Once and For All because mm-hmm. there's a similar vibe of like the main character is cynical, but she's cynical uh, because her boyfriend, her ex, well, her previous boyfriend died. And so mm-hmm. um, her mom and her mom runs a uh, wedding planning service. And so she's like surrounded by all these hopeless romantics all the time. And so when I read Once and for All, which I think that's one of her more recent novels, it did remind me of uh, the same vibe of this lullaby. Got it. Okay. I'm glad these are coming out on Netflix. This seems like a perfect, now I can finally see the throw cokes at somebody. I know. I actually <laughs> forgot about that scene with or those scenes where they like, they've perfected the art of like tossing. <laughs> yes. I loved it. And I'm like, I want to see that on screen. And I'm like, I'm going to check out the movies literally just for that. It's going to be great. (laughs) (laughs) And so Christina, thank you so much for, you know, writing your book. Obviously, I really enjoyed Zyla and Kai and for joining me on this episode. And then uh, before we close out, can you tell everyone where we can find you and where we can find your book? Yes. Um, You can find me on Twitter at Christina Forrest, on Instagram at Christina Forrest underscore, um, you can find my books at christinaforest.com. Perfect. So everyone definitely check it out. Check out Zyla and Kyle, as well as Christina's other books as well. I know I have a fair few rom-com readers uh, listening right now. So definitely check those out. And Christina, thank you so much for your time. Thank you for having me. This was fun. 
and thank you all for joining me today. As a reminder, we have new episodes every Thursday. Be sure to check in for next week's episode, which is our short story book club, and we're talking about The Lottery by Shirley Jackson, so brush up on that if you haven't read it yet. Remember, there will be spoilers for the short story episodes, but I assume a lot of you have probably read The Lottery already. That being said, if you like the show, please let us know. We're on all of the major podcast platforms, and there's usually a way to place a rating and review. We're also on Instagram at Twitter at YFB Podcast, so definitely give us a follow. And uh, that's it. Happy reading. Mm-hmm.